Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. Despite what you might hear from people trying to comfort you, death stinks. Dealing with death is not a fun thing. It often involves lots of sleepless nights and a good amount of depression. I have gone through quite a few deaths in my life, and each one of them has been pretty horrible. They're never easy to get over. As I said, I find that I lose a lot of sleep during these times, and when I can't sleep, I tend to just sit on the couch, not wanting to do anything like play video games, so I turn on the TV and I watch. In the 90s, after a particularly bad loss, I took my position on the couch to try to pass the time, and one of the shows that came on was The Golden Girls. I had been a fan of The Golden Girls back when it was on TV. Who wouldn't be? It's a funny show, very well acted. But at this point, the show took on a different quality. It took on a very comforting quality. And the fact that it was on a lot that night was especially helpful because I didn't have to keep flipping the switch trying to find something new to watch. Instead, I just let it hit me like a wave and roll over me and sort of soothe me. From that point on, I became a much bigger Golden Girls fan. And I also came to grips with my love of comfort television. I had always been a late-night TV watcher, and I always did enjoy when they would show lots of the same show in a row. But what I became aware of is that I loved to watch the exact same shows over and over again in a short period of time. I loved marathoning TV when I couldn't sleep, or even when I was getting ready to sleep, and it's something I still do today. A good sitcom could give you a couple of laughs. A great sitcom is a show that you can watch over and over and over again. And despite the fact that you know all the jokes, you know where all the laughs are going to come in, you still find that being able to live in these people's lives is a rewarding experience. For me, living with those four senior citizens in Miami during the 90s for a couple of difficult nights was very rewarding. So on today's show, I'd like to talk about a show that has helped me, and I'm sure a lot of people through a lot of sleepless nights, The Golden Girls. We're going to talk about the people involved in the show. We'll talk about the actresses who made the show special. We'll talk about the reception, the music, the spin-offs of the show, and of course, where you can find The Golden Girls today. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. sitcom created by Susan Harris and produced by Wit Thomas Harris Productions. 
It revolves around four older women sharing a house in Miami, Florida. The house is owned by Blanche Devereaux, played by Rue McClanahan. She is joined by Dorothy Zbornak, played by B. Arthur, Rose Nyland, played by Betty White, and in the first episode, they also had a cook named Coco, played by Charles Levin, but Coco, I guess, was supposed to be the comic relief, and they realized that Sophia Petrillo, who is Dorothy Zbornak's mother, was just as funny and filled that role. So out went Coco, and Estelle Geddes, Sophia Petrillo, would be a permanent fourth roommate. So where did the idea for a comedy series about four elderly women sharing a home come from? Well, back in the 80s, Warner Brothers was creating a skit to promote the NBC 1984-1985 season schedule. Two actresses, Selma Diamond of Night Court and Doris Roberts, who was then on Remington Steel, were in a sketch, and it was called Miami Nice, which was a parody about old people living in Miami, Florida. NBC Senior Vice President Warren Littlefield was one of the people watching this sketch and thought it was very funny and thought, couldn't we do a show based on this humor? At the time, Paul Jungerwit and Tony Thomas were pitching a show that Littlefield didn't really think was great, but he thought that they would be the right people to work on this Miami Nice idea. Their regular writer passed, but Wit decided to ask his wife, Susan Harris, who had been working on the ABC series Soap and had retired, to work on this new show. She liked the idea, thinking that this was a demographic that had never been tapped for a television show, and started working on a sitcom about women in their 60s. Littlefield loved the idea, and the show got a pilot. Now, the casting was interesting. Both Rue McClanahan and Betty White were working on the show Mama's Family, which had been canceled by NBC, and they were brought in to read for the roles of Rose and Blanche, obviously. But they had it reversed. McClanahan was reading for Rose and White for Blanche. This was based on typecasting because White had been in the Mary Tyler Moore show as Sue Ann Nivens, who had a very Blanche-esque feel, and McClanahan had been in the groundbreaking show Maud with B. Arthur as Vivian Harmon, who was kind of Rose-esque. They liked the show, but they didn't want to be typecast, so at the last minute, it was suggested that they switch roles. People thought, that's great. Now, Harris had written the role of Dorothy kind of with B. Arthur in mind. Littlefield and the producers thought that Elaine Stritch would be perfect for the role. Now, you might know Stritch from her recent work on 30 Rock, where she plays Alec Baldwin's character, Jack Donaghy's mother, Colleen Donaghy. Stritch came in and read for the part, but the audition didn't go over so well. This was good, because they had thought that B. Arthur would not be interested in participating in a show like this. But since Stritch was out, Harris asked McClanahan if she could persuade Arthur to read for the role. Arthur was worried when picking up the script that she would just be reprising her role in Maud and wasn't really all that interested in doing that. She especially didn't like that she thought that McClanahan would be playing the Rose character. When she heard that White and McClanahan had decided to swap roles, though, she became much more interested. The final piece of the Golden Girls puzzle would be Estelle Getty. This piece of trivia might be familiar to Golden Girls fans, but Getty was actually younger than both B. Arthur and Betty White. 
At the time, she was playing the mother in Torch Song Trilogy on Broadway. One of the producers spotted her and asked her to audition for the Golden Girls. Now, she was younger than two of the other girls, so she would have to go through makeup every day to look a bit older. And you hear different stories ranging from 45 minutes to three hours just to get that look. But by doing so, by aging her, she gave the other Golden Girls the ability to actually be the younger women on the show. Today's show is brought to you by your local gardening store. If you need to work on that garden area right outside your lanai, why not go to your gardening store? To become the perfect gardener, check with nature's partner. that gardening store. So the show would come to be produced by the Walt Disney Company under their Touchstone television label. If you were lucky enough to visit Disney's Hollywood Studios or Disney's MGM Studios, whatever you want to call it, you could have actually seen the exterior of the Golden Girls house if you took their backlot tour. Unfortunately, the facade along with the facade of the empty nest house were destroyed in the summer of 2003. The facades were based on a real house in Brentwood, California, which is located at 245 North Salt Air Avenue, and shots of the house were used in the exterior shots during the first season of the show. It would only be later that the new model would be built at Walt Disney World in Florida. Probably the most famous room in the Golden Girls set was the kitchen. There was quite a few plots that revolved around the girls sitting at the table telling stories, just having breakfast. A lot of great jokes at that table. Now that set was actually used in an earlier series, It Takes Two, which ran for one season on ABC from 1982 to 1983. That sitcom starred Richard Crenna and Patty Duke Aston and was set in Chicago. After the cancellation of It Takes Two, that kitchen set was preserved. The producers, I guess, thought that they could reuse it, and they did in The Golden Girls. For the first season of The Golden Girls, the set retains almost all of the same look from It Takes Two, with the exception of what you see out the window. You don't see Chicago, you see Miami. Toward the end of the first season, the wallpaper was changed to a more modern-looking wallpaper. Now, a lot of people have seen Golden Girls, but a lot of them haven't seen the pilot. And if you haven't, it's a bit different and kind of interesting to watch, mainly because they had a character that was in the show that didn't make it. And I mentioned him earlier. His name was Coco, and he was a flamboyant housekeeper played by Charles Levin. Levin's a character actor, probably best known for his work as the Moyle on the Seinfeld episode The Briss. Worth checking out just for the difference and makes you think what the show would have been like if he had continued as a regular cast member. Now, a little bit about the cast and actresses who made this show. B. Arthur played Dorothy Spornak, a substitute teacher from Brooklyn, New York, daughter of Sophia and Salvador Petrillo. She married young, had a baby young. Stan, her husband, would leave her after 38 years of marriage, and he would become a recurring character popping in and out of her life. B. Arthur passed away in 2009, comedian, actress, singer, decades of work, probably best known for her work on both The Golden Girls and in the TV show Maud, where she played the title character. Betty White played Rose Nyland. Rose is of Scandinavian descent. 
from the small farming town of St. Olaf, Minnesota, a bizarre little section of the United States where weird, weird, weird things happen. And a lot of the stories that Rose tell revolve around that very weird place. Betty Marion White was born in 1922. She's a singer, comedian, author, television personality. She's probably best known for her work on The Mary Tyler Moore Show, where she played Sue Ann Nibbins, and of course as Rose Nyland on The Golan Girls. She's still working today, has a sitcom on TV Land called Hot in Cleveland, and a practical joke show called Betty White's Off Their Rockers. Rue McClanahan played Blanche Devereaux, Southern Belle, wealthy family, very man-hungry. Originally, Blanche did not have a southern accent. It was Rue McClanahan's idea to put a southern accent on her, which worked really well. Sort of gave her an out-of-history, maybe even timeless quality. Probably best known for her work on Maud as Vivian Harmon. She also played Fran Crowley on Mama's Family. Rue McClanahan passed away in 2010. Estelle Getty played Sophia Petrillo, Dorothy's mom, born in Sicily, yet amazingly was able to lose her accent. She was in the Shady Pines retirement home after she had a stroke, but there was a fire at the home, and she moved in with the girls and would stay there. Estelle Schur Gettleman was born in 1923, passed away in 2008. Film, television, probably best known for her work on The Golden Girls. Now, there were lots of other recurring characters, but probably the best known was Stanley Zbornak, played by Herbert Edelman. He was Dorothy's jerk of an ex-husband. Herb Edelman, American actor... Film, television, did a lot. As far as TV goes, he's probably best known for his recurring roles on Golden Girls and St. Elsewhere. Now here's Vic Sage with a more detailed look at one of the stars that made the Golden Girls great. Hello friends, Vic Sage here with this episode's Why Should I Know This Person? And this week, I turn my sights on Golden Girls co-star Estelle Getty. Getty was born Estelle Schur on July 25, 1923, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in New York City. Estelle found her life's calling when her father took her to see a vaudeville performance as a young girl at the New York Academy of Music. Immediately, Estelle took singing, dancing, and acting lessons, and after graduation, plied her craft in the Yiddish theater. Estelle even attempted stand-up comedy as a young woman in the Catskills without success. Estelle continued to act in small theater productions after marrying Arthur Gettleman, her stage name obviously being a derivative of her married name. And over the decades, Estelle's fortunes didn't change until in the late 70s, after performing in the small New York theater productions together, she befriended Harvey Firestein. Due to constant requests, Harvey wrote the role of his mother, Beckoff, for Estelle in what would become the Broadway smash Torch Song Trilogy, a role Estelle performed for five years. Estelle has also played the role of Cher's mother in the 1985 film Mass, as well as Sylvester Stallone's in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot in 1992. Surprisingly, the one maternal role that Estelle wanted but did not receive was for Mother Beckoff in the film adaptation of Torch Song Trilogy. That role went to Anne Bancroft. Estelle was quoted once as saying, I've played mothers to heroes and mothers to zeros. I've played Irish mothers, Jewish mothers, Italian mothers, Southern mothers, New England mothers, mothers in plays by Neil Simon and Arthur Miller and Tennessee Williams. I've played mother to everyone but Attila the Hun. This has been Why Should I Know This Person? Until next week, this is Vic Sage signing off.
Thanks, Vic. In addition to a great cast, the show would also have some amazing guest stars over the years, including some up-and-comers and some people who were already at the top of their game. You had people like Don Amici, Ken Berry, Sonny Bono, George Clooney, Robert Culp, Anne Francis, Hal Linden, Mario Lopez, Martin Mull, Leslie Nielsen, Jerry Orbach, Burt Reynolds, Debbie Reynolds, Cesar Romero, Mickey Rooney, Harry Shearer, Dick Van Dyke, Lyle Wagner, McLean Stevenson, and Jeffrey Tambor. And that's just a small amount. Crazy amount of guest stars. And from what I read, I'm not sure if this is true, Quentin Tarantino appeared as an Elvis impersonator in an episode of the show. Gotta hunt that down. So the show premiered on September 14th, 1985, and would run until September 14th, 1992. It ran on the NBC network for 180 episodes. From September 1985 to July 1991, it ran on Saturdays at 9 p.m. Then from August 1991 to September 1991, it moved to 8.30 p.m. And then finally in September of 1991 till September of 1992, it was on at 8 p.m. The show would finish in the top 10 of the Nielsen ratings for its first six seasons. For its first season, it was number 7. In season 2 and 3, it's number 5. For seasons 4 and 5, it was number 6. In season 6, it was number 9. And then finally, for its final season, it fell to number 26. So probably a good time to go away. And it was actually B. Arthur's decision to move on. The show was a huge hit and a staple for Saturday Night, where it almost always won its time slots. The show would receive 65 Emmy nominations and win 11 Emmy Awards, including one for every cast member. It is one of only three shows that had all the principal actors win at least one Emmy. The other two shows are All in the Family and Will and Grace. The show also won four Golden Globes and two Viewers for Quality Television Awards. Now here's Metagirl with the top five episodes of the Golden Girls. Five, four, three, two, one. Retro fans, this is Metagirl bringing you the top five episodes of the television series The Golden Girls. At number five is season one, episode 21, Flu Attack, aka The Flu. A week before an award ceremony for the Volunteer of the Year, the girls come down with a nasty case of the flu. This, of course, makes them cranky, which causes them to turn on one another as they argue over who is most deserving of the award. Number four is season two, episode five, Isn't It Romantic? While Sophia wrestles with the new VCR and dirty movies, Dorothy's lady friend Jean falls for Rose. Rose, not feeling the same way, lets Jean down easy and diffuses a sticky situation. Number three is season one, episode 25, The Way We Met. In this concluding episode of season one, having trouble sleeping after watching Psycho, the gang reminisces about how they met with plenty of flashbacks. At number two is season two, episode 11, Twas the Night Before Christmas. The girls each plan to spend Christmas with their families, but before they can leave, a series of strange occurrences lead them to spend Christmas together in Miami. And the number one episode of The Golden Girls is... Season 7, Episode 2, The Case of the Libertine Bell. After a murder mystery weekend, Dorothy needs to put her detective skills to the test when Blanche is accused of committing a murder. And there you have it, the Retroist's top five episodes of the television series The Golden Girls. Until next time, List fans, this has been Metagirl.
Thanks, Metacrow. So does this sound familiar? That is Thank You for Being a Friend, the Golden Girls theme song, sung by Cynthia Fee and written by Andrew Gold. The song was written by Andrew Gold, who recorded it for his third album, which is called All This and Heaven Too, which came out in the late 70s. The single reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1978. That song would be re-recorded by Fee for the sitcom, and then it would be re-recorded again for the series spin-off, The Golden Palace. And we'll talk a little bit about The Golden Palace in a little bit. In 1990, The Golden Girls began airing in syndication and were distributed by Buena Vista Television. In 1997, the Lifetime Network acquired the exclusive rights to repeat episodes of The Golden Girls in the U.S., and it would do so until March 1st, 2009. Many people were exposed to the Golden Girls through Lifetime's constant airing of the Golden Girls. It was a magical time for fans of the girls. The last episode aired on Lifetime on February 27, 2009. Now, if you want to catch the Golden Girls, you could still catch it on TV. It's just been moved to the Hallmark Channel and WeTV. Now, there were two TV spinoffs of the Golden Girls. One was a show called Empty Nest, which was about the empty nest syndrome, where a parent is left alone after their kids moved out. The initial pilot was included in a 1987 Golden Girls episode, and that starred Paul Dooley and Rita Moreno, who were a couple living next door to the Golden Girls. The idea and characters weren't very well received, so instead it was retooled as a vehicle for Richard Mulligan. And the next year, the show premiered, was very popular. Empty Nest itself would launch its own spinoff in 1991 called Nurses, This is one of the first times in history where three shows from the same producer set in the same setting aired back-to-back on that same network on the same night. Golden Girls, Empty Nest, and Nurses would take advantage of the situation by actually having plots that ran throughout all three shows, including an episode that was about a hurricane. In addition to Empty Nest, the show would have a spinoff called The Golden Palace, which had three of the main characters, White, Getty, and McClanahan, reprising their roles, along with Cheech Marin and Don Cheadle. Unfortunately, that show did not do as well. It ranked 57th in its annual ratings. It only lasted for one season, and if you've seen it, it's not that great. If you watched Lifetime's run of The Golden Girls, Up until 2006, they would play episodes of The Golden Palace as a sort of season 8 of The Golden Girls. It doesn't really hold up the way The Golden Girls does, and I guess that's because B. Arthur is such an amazing presence in The Golden Girls. After these messages, we will return. the grand prize in our exciting game. Shoppers Drug Mart five-star bingo. Cards are at the cashier. Scratch the same five symbols in a row and bingo, you're a winner. Fabulous prizes are on every card, like Doritos, Pizza Hut, Pepsi, or Swatch. Plus a chance for one of three 1991 Escort LXs. Traffic jam in aisle three. Back in 1914, Tasty Cake became an overnight sensation. What were the ingredients of our success? The same as they are today. Great tasting ingredients, like milk, butter and eggs, chocolate, peanut butter, and butterscotch. 
So today, after over 60 years, Tasty Cake is still all the good things wrapped up in one. And now, back to the show. There have been many attempts to reproduce the Golden Girls' magic in other countries. They tried to create it in the United Kingdom with a show called Brighton Bells that only lasted for 10 episodes. In Russia, there's a show called Volshi Devachki, hope I'm pronouncing that right, which was broadcast in 2006. Again, the show did not catch on. They made 32 episodes of that. In 2008, a Greek version of the show hit the air and had some mixed success. Finally, in Spain, they've tried to redo this twice, once in 96, and it failed, and then again in 2010. This time the show had a little bit of success. If you were interested in owning the Golden Girls, say you don't want to tune in to watch it on TV, all seven seasons of the show are available on DVD. They started coming out in 2004, and they finished in 2007. In 2010, they actually released a 25th anniversary collection, which had all the episodes and a bunch of special edition stuff on it. In November of 2005, Warner Brothers Home Video released The Golden Girls, A Lifetime Intimate Portrait, which on it has a biography of Arthur, McClanahan, Getty, and White, so you know their background and a little bit about them. I own this, and it has been invaluable in my Golden Girls education. TV is a great way to entertain people, but people often knock it as being mindless. Yet there are shows that transcend that mindless label and can even transcend the entertainment label and take on a life of their own. To me, that means they bring something else to the table. For the Golden Girls and a lot of shows like it, it's comfort. Something I can depend on and pull out whenever I need to relax and get lost. And yes, I can do that in something brand new, But while it might be great to make new friends, sometimes you just want to visit an old friend. Sometimes you just want to rehash old stories. So I hope that you'll reconsider The Golden Girls if you haven't watched it in a while. Perhaps you have a DVR, you can set it to record. Or maybe you just want to run out and pick up the first season. And the great thing about The Golden Girls is that season one through seven, it doesn't lose its edge. It's a great show throughout. And that is so much more than you can say for most shows. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for his contribution to the show. You can find Vic Sage's posts on the Retroist Daily. If you have any feedback, you can email Vic at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have any feedback, you can email Metagirl at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. David Leisure, who, if you haven't seen David Leisure, he was Joe Isuzu 
The show also had Christy McNichol. Christy McNichol. This has been a Retro's production. Goodbye.